You are now listening to Well, Well, well Phila Now. Like, oh my god, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his perfumist. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? Wait, how big were her breasts? <laughs> So after that bus stop uh, grouping, we get to, oh, oh, Constantine playing a fool, um, standing outside of the, uh, I don't, I don't know the shop, but he's waiting for Jardine to leave it so that he can run into her unawares. And, you know, it's like the, oh, oh, it was good seeing you. Sorry that things were so grim as far as the circumstances that we met and you know and she gives this over exposition of how emotions work which is odd i would say odd for her and then she's like well but are you staying in town long and he's like well um, i'm not sure there's work that i need to attend to but you know i was only around because i was picking up this trinket for my daughter and she's like oh i used to collect those See, I don't think that Geraldine's mentioning of what she feels like she's dealing with, especially for how they prepped Geraldine coming in being an absolute opposite to Carolyn, because this is actually literally the juxtaposition they're making, that Carolyn is very much in control of her emotions. She very much can usually manage them and keep them in compartments that are for organizing. What Geraldine just described is, is something that I feel like I've been subjected to, which is people's energy, that if you are in a room with several people and they're giving off a vibe that you feel like you can feel and whether you call it empathy, discernment, whatever, some people can feel those vibes. She's like, I, I get really stressed out. I get really burdened by other people's emotions and it's a lot to process. And some people who aren't as reserved or withholding with how they actually feel because they're not protecting themselves in that way are incredibly forthcoming about stuff like this. And so I've met people like Geraldine and I would say I have that trait in common with Geraldine. I'm just not quick to give it off to people, but I have met people and have friends who are that quick to say, actually, I'm really affected by other people's energy. So I'm just going back out from this right now and I'll see you guys later. And so because it's good to let people know where the fuck you are. This is how I see what they mean about she's mad different from Carolyn because she's like, I'm expressing myself. I'm telling you my true raw emotion in this moment. No filter. And that is something we never get from Carolyn. And I feel like that awkward beat was from Constantine because he's like, wow, you are so not like your mother or Kenny. What is this? Feeling people's feelings. <laughs> what? A Martins? And I guess maybe she's not a Martins. Maybe she's a Stoughton yeah, like we'll her brother. See. But right, we'll I, maybe we won't see. And so maybe I- she dies. I'm sorry. I don't want Geraldine to die, but I just don't know what Suzanne has in store this season. Well, right. She's bringing in new characters to kill them. I'm convinced she's bringing in all new characters to kill them. It's, it could be her MO. It definitely could be, especially from coming from fear. So it's like, well, that's just probably how we know how to do things. Sure. Whatever. It's fine. But Constantine's sitting there listening to Geraldine, thinking about this magnet that he was going to give to his daughter, hearing that Geraldine used to collect them when she was younger. Oh, and then uh, she makes the joke that uh, when her mom used to travel, she'd bring home little uh, alcohol bottles for her and Kenny to say that the best way to find out about a country is to, you know, to... You only know a country once you know it's drink. Right, once you know it's drink. Line. A little Carolyn anecdote, which I love. So Constantine thinks for a bit, and he hands over the magnet to Geraldine to keep uh, and says that, you know, his daughter wasn't really... She wasn't going to miss it anyway. And she takes this, and I guess she is now... Tears come to her eyes. She's a person that is authentically moved by what she perceives as kindness. And she says something to that effect of, like, when Constantine's like, oh, I wasn't trying to make you cry. And she's like, oh, it's just these moments of kindness really matter right now. And so what I imagine is that for a person like her to be with her mom is fucking difficult. Oh, I believe it. To be as expressive as she is with a non-expressive person, to be like, mom, just hug me. Just cry with me. Let's just wail together. She's like, no. Now, which side note, the fact that Carolyn brings up the Celts and their traditions about wailing to dread to give her some form of comfort versus how she deals with her own child is very interesting indeed. But yeah, so poor thing is probably having the worst time at home with Carolyn because literally she was like, go do that thing where you breathe and close your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, she was like, like, yeah, bitch, get out, get out of the kitchen. (laughs) Poor Geraldine. (laughs) Poor Geraldine. And then I think we are back to, yes, Villanelle on the job with. Precious, precious Felix. 
I feel like I want some merch just for Felix, just to honor the queer who passed away, who had so much potential that Villanelle does not explore. And it's a birthday party, and they are clowns. The infamous clown outfits we've seen, we've known it was happening. It is literally us on screen, us, the fandom, on screen. Inception. And they're blowing balloons while Villanelle is sucking helium from balloons. I don't think she gave a single balloon to a child. I think it's just Felix trying to make a dog or puppy or whatever <laughs> a little girl comes up and she's like i want to and honestly i'm glad villanelle didn't give it to her because right. where was the please where was the see play bitch are you kidding me did your mom not teach you manners felix gave her the one villanelle gave her a one-two combo of of anecdote she said life, life is shit, is shit. <laughs> get used to it dog <gasps> bye <laughs> a little girl was like oh my god and then she's like all right felix like look um just get in there do it clean, do it efficient, no drama. Yes. And also no tips yes. from me. So yes. get in there. Get in there. Chop, 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 chop. And poor poor little Felix. It's like, okay, let me uh, let me go. And he goes in there. And I feel like Villanelle waits five seconds before she's like, it's too long. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't do it. He failed. Because she's judging it based off of how long it would take her to do it. And she's like, why is he not? Why is he not done? I don't. I That's don't. valid. That's valid. You should have a time limit for when you're training someone, but I don't think she gave him one. Like, she didn't say, be out here in five minutes, and if you're not, I'm going to come in and help you or do this. She just said the most basic, vague shit to a 19-year-old who has never done a paid murder, and she's confused about what's happening. By the way, he's younger than Villanelle would have been committing professional murders. That is true. Because she was still fucking in jail. So I just think it's interesting, but also Villanelle's a misandrist like me, so I can't be too mad about this bias. I feel like she might have had less bias if it was a woman that she was training. But I'm still sad that Felix is gone. So she walks in there and after a beat or two and she hears a struggle in an apartment or the house. It's a really big house. She's walking around. She's peering around the corners. Where's the sounds coming from? And then she finds it. And lo and behold, poor Felix is mounted this man. And he is banging that head on the concrete. I was like, go, Felix. Go, Felix. But before I can finish my chant, Villanelle, who's very upset at his mess that he's made, shoots the man and then shoots Felix in the back of the head. And he dies atop his mark. And that's when she says management sucks. But yeah, she was like, it was supposed to be a clean kill. Here you are with your DNA all over the place. And dude is whoa, like, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to stop you right there. So please tell me what kills you remember from Villanelle where she did not leave DNA. It's one of the topics of series one where Eve is like, when they're discussing Villanelle and they're like, she leaves this shit behind. Oh, it must be that she's protected or she just doesn't care. What if it's both? It's crickets. That's because it's a no, you guys. Villanelle leaves evidence at every crime scene villanelle is not dexter so this is actually my point with felix villanelle is felix villanelle absolutely was being trained by dasha and or constantine and they told her to do one thing do it simple she did not villanelle in episode one is told do this simple thing she sees eve palastri she does the opposite she kills four extra people and she doesn't make it look like a suicide but felix poor little felix on his first kill, gets inspired, probably because that guy said something homophobic, because that's what Felix is like. She's like, bitch, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I improvised. And so I just think he probably tried to get his little knife out, and it didn't work. And he was like, oh, no. And so he just went to old school, what he's used to. Let me just beat a bitch down. And instead of Villanelle being impressed by his savagery, she took him out. Instead of seeing herself in him, she was like, no, I actually don't want to be a manager, and this was actually what I planned to do the entire time. Because that's what I'm going to go with. I don't think she gave a shit about Felix, and she planned to kill him the entire time, because what is this? Do you want to be a keeper or not, Villanelle? You didn't even try. Yes, he made a mess, but you guys could have dealt with it. You're right. She did not even try. If it was Eve Palastri, she'd have figured it the fuck out. Oh, She'd be yeah. like, okay, Eve. If that was so, right. If that was I mean, Eve's Eve, first kill. Eve right. gets different. She right. gets different things. I'm just saying that what's interesting here, and I hope Dasha brings it up, or someone, after this fucking kill, to be like, yo, how am I supposed to get you anything with a keeper when you literally keep doing the opposite of what I say and you can't keep a fucking killer? Like, we recruited this dude. We thought he could be an asset. Now he's dead. And now we have two bodies to clean up. Also, who cleans up the body? Question. Oh, my God, fandom. Where do the bodies go? Is the 12 sending a cleanup crew? What happened with the man and Felix? Who deals with that? Isn't Villanelle supposed to be management? Who cleans it up? Will Suzanne answer these questions? Or will we time jump again next week? Well, technically, we time jump every week because it's at least five (laughs) to ten minutes. But I just want to know, is anyone going to answer how Villanelle gets in and out of these highly improbable scenarios without causing drama? Because you would think, okay, you shoot Felix because it's a mess but now how do you move two bodies like who do you call do you have someone to call that's not dasha who is the cleaning crew i'm lost in the sauce so that part of the the story feels a little extravagant but i don't know that suzanne cares about those details so (laughs) chances are we will get no answers for that but i'm really upset at villanelle for being so hypocritical with felix when he was a young a young queer 
who just needed a queer mentor to show him how to murder. And then he could have been on his own, doing his own damn thing, getting his feels out for how he had been dumped and gay bashed on the evil hats of the world. All right. We get a commercial and come back. And it is Eve with beer looking at um, the photos that seem to have been on the phone. And it's multiple photos of just Kenny and Dread. And Eve's trying to figure out who Dread is. And they point out to the front receptionist, Dead Ringer. I don't know. I guess Eve was paying attention to see her, see her, but she sees her now. And Bear's like, well, this is all I could get for now. Um, the rest takes longer. How much longer? Oh, a couple of days. Oh, well, I guess while we're waiting for all of that to happen, I'll take all the files. Oh, the flash. Actually, you skipped over the line entirely. Jamie's man line. That was really gross, which I have to point out because after they discuss for a short while that he was dating Dredd, Jamie says some gross man shit about like, good to know he was getting some before he died. The reason why this bothered me because why shouldn't anyone have an O before they die is why do men say this of men? Why do men presumably think they are more deserving of a, of a, of a shag before they go down? Was anyone asking those questions? Of women who die? Well, you know, did she get did she get at least five O's before she went out? Oh, great. Then it's it's fantastic. And I just wanted to say that that line really bothered me. And maybe Jamie will be useful. And I do like Pa on Harlots, but I do not like him so far in Killing Eve. He pisses me off. All right. So if I'm where I think I'm... Thumb drive. She's, she's like, give me the thumb drive. I would like to see the files. Jamie is like, oh, yeah, the, um, the cops have that. He left it in his jacket. And Eve is like, oh! So you guys are manipulating me? Cool. I'm going to take the phone. And she just unplugged it. Like, you know, right. when you unproperly unmount right. from your computer. You like just, when you're trying to you just, corrupt you files. Just, right. right. She did that. She was like, bye. I'm taking this. And then Jamie uses some reverse psychology to be like, oh, okay, so Kenny clearly was just some kid, right? Who was sad, right? Just killed himself, right? Took his own life. That's clearly why you're leaving, right? Because you believe that, right? Very smart tactic to basically be like, hey, Eve, it's not all about you. Don't be selfish. We should all want to solve Kenny's murder because we know it's a murder, but in a weird reverse psychology way that is trying to get her to come back, which of course she still leaves, which I love because she's like leaving you on red in this moment, mm -hmm. but I will come back next episode. And before she fully exits the building, she looks like she's about to stop at Dred's desk. And of course, uh, Paul is like, Andrea to call her in to be like, well, listen, if she ain't going to come and cooperate with us, we, I guess we'll just wait for her to feel like talking to all of us or none of us. Uh, then I guess we get another cut. Yep. It's Carolyn talking to Dredd about Kenny. And I actually really like this scene. And Carolyn starts out by saying that she's glad that Dredd recognized her at the funeral, presumably from pics Kenny showed her of his mother and him and that they met for the first time at the funeral, which is probably unfortunate for Carolyn as well, not knowing that her son was happy with someone, but she never got to really see that in real time herself with him. And she asked questions like, did he like the job that he was working at? And was Kenny happy? And Dredd thinks he was, says he used to sing S Club 7 on the toilet, which I'm like, oh, that's cute. And that he enjoyed his job a lot, but that he also said he missed his mom because no one kicked his ass like she did. And in that moment, Carolyn just pauses for a second, just full on stops walking. And it's almost as if, I like the way she played that because it was like the words were so weighty, she just had to stop for a second. Mm -hmm. But the only indication she gives that it's affected her, she says something like, oh, I was always hard on him or something to that effect. And I was just like, my heart, Carolyn, it's breaking. And then she makes that analogy that I mentioned earlier about the ancient Celts mourning their loved ones with wailing and shrieking. And uh, <laughs> not to be embarrassed. And walked off. And I was like, Carolyn, that's kind of shady what you just it said. It was shady because she was putting it up against uh, Dredd saying, well, you know, I had the kind of parent that wasn't tough on me and, and needed me to be perfect. I had the parent that just told me that I was great at everything. So I was an artist that never sold anything that wasn't really a great artist. I was just doing that I for years. I feel like that years. is some deep shade to actual <laughs> artists. And I am offended for everyone because what the fuck? I didn't get and that at all. What you, but, where did you get but this Between those lines. from? Between those lines I and the way her hair was looking, I was Pilastri like, theories. Lord. Well, her hair was... Um, <laughs> look. And so look, Carol was like, look. look. Bob, Marley, it's, it's Bob Marley had the whalers. The, the, the Celtics Rude. had the, Celtics had the shriekers. So if you found yourself Rude. yelling and you was a bad singer for years <laughs> and people tried to just tell you that you can be bad... It just do you and not be embarrassed. You know, she's like, girl, don't be embarrassed. And so she, she, she sits her with that. But you are right to point out the fact that yes, this is the a slither of comfort she is trying to provide she to is. this girl. She, she does not know, and there seems to be a lot more that she's doing for Jody. 
to us as far as that we're being shown. I think so Geraldine breaks her. I mean, I don't know how we're going to see Geraldine play the Carolyn thing and how their relationship will turn out. But I think someone as sensitive, seemingly sensitive as Geraldine would just trigger the fuck out of Carolyn. Where she was like, you just look to me like you're feeling every second of the day. And I can't deal with it, Geraldine. Right, go right, to sleep. Get right. out of here. Get, right. Just Get go. away just go. from me. Just right. distance yourself with your feelings away from me if you can so please. Right. And so this is when we get the shot of her in the, the car and props to you uh, and your dive because you were like, I've heard this before. I know the well, song. Well, she, she mentions the opera. I am familiar with the opera. The opera has like um, 23, 24 compositions within said opera. So yes, Carolyn is in her car listening to music. And this is probably my favorite scene with Carolyn because <laughs> it's so sad, it's, you know? Yeah, it's a lot. Agent, uh, Jahari is like, oh, I, I love how you know his name. <laughs> uh, you, obviously, perhaps you should DM this actor and be like, listen, could we do an interview one-on-one? Agent Jahari. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's late. I've had things. So <laughs> Carolyn is in her car and she is blasting some dramatic opera. And I just want to say, and Terrence can attest to this, but I was like, Carolyn's in her Baroque period. And the reason why I say this, and gosh, for any of my friends listening right now, you guys know that after 9-11 happened, I had a very specific, <laughs> and I'm laughing at myself now, but it was it was justified. It was very emo, very dramatic, misanthropy, angsty period that just followed 9-11. And I called it my Baroque period because everything about my mood and what I wanted to do artistically or otherwise fit very much into that scene and like the music I was playing or where I playing the piano, whatever. And so as soon as I heard this, I was like, oh my God, Carolyn's in her Baroque period. And just so happens that the opera she was listening to, Dido and Aeneas, was also from the Baroque period. Something with grave? No. <laughs> when I am laid in earth is what uh, you well, are. Okay, see, I you said just, grave, and she uh, said just, when I am laid in earth. It doesn't mean the same thing. It doesn't. If you ask someone for the grave song with the opera, <laughs> you will get nothing. <laughs> But the, I mean, if you want, if you're interested in this opera, if you have no familiarity with it, it's three acts written by Henry Purcell. I'll just say it's a very beloved opera and it takes you through the dramatic paces of love and loss and betrayal and all that stuff. And the composition Carolyn was listening to was When I Am Laid in Earth. So just from that title alone, actually, that's part of why I was annoyed that we couldn't find it in the credits because right. I'm like, how do you have an aria? Such an old, loved, beautiful aria. And you don't you don't do it. Right. You don't probably source it. Like we don't know who who's what orchestra this was. We don't we don't know. It didn't they didn't tell us. Oh, I should also say that it's also Dido's lament. <laughs> you can find it that way. Same thing, but just beautiful and sullen. And I have a thing personally about strings, which is why my Baroque period was specific. So I was like, give me those damn strings. Give me those deep chords resonating because they literally are sending bass vibrations through my soul. And I feel like Carolyn had that same thing because it was blasting. Where she was, was like, I need to feel the strings. I need to feel the crescendo. I need to feel everything happening in this song because it's also fucking tragic. And this is the way I'm dealing with it. I'm dealing with my pain by almost surrounding myself in pain. But beautiful pain. Pain that is tolerable because that's what I would call music like an opera extremely tolerable pain what if you'd had like those gofundme speaker things that you wear what you know the the thing the speakers that you wear the the vest the the thing that you can buy and you can wear oh that thing i sent you right oh my god yes i do now know what you're talking about (laughs) your descriptions are the best the the speakers that you can wear i don't know how to what else to call them but it's like it's, Those would be cool speakers to listen to. So that's what that's what you're getting at, right? That right, to like, hear that, right? Where it's like that all might have been full your... therapy for Carolyn, just like having it actually go through her physical chest and shit. Do you Ooh. think she was watching, like, or listening to the whole thing from the beginning and got caught at the end? Or do you think that she just... Uh... Um, I want to say it's over an hour. I forget how long each piece is, but it's definitely past an hour. I just think she was in there for a minute. I think Paul was like, listen, we don't need you. You need to go home because this isn't going to work and you need to take time. And so she was in her parking spot, just like, I don't want to go home because Geraldine's there. Right. And I can't be here. So fuck. Let me just be in my misery amongst this beautiful orchestral symphony 
of sounds. And I just love that the title for When I Am Laid in Earth is so apropos for Kenny and where we are because he was essentially laid to rest. And I feel like Carolyn was speaking for both things when she was like, oh my God, what a death, what a horrible death, what a tragedy. Right. Because ultimately, yes, okay, this death, this tragedy of the opera is sad, but so is your son. Just at the time where he's finding his footing, he's standing up to you, he's dating, He's wearing deodorant. He seems to be finally living this fully functional life that perhaps you may have wanted for him. And just as it all gets there, it's done. Just awful. Man, oh man. And she didn't get to share it with him because he was still pissed at her, even though he loved her. And it's just like that. that thing that I think that's the other thing, too, that if you lose somebody and you didn't have that chance to repair something that maybe you know you should have because it was ultimately petty yeah. or silly and then you don't have it anymore and then you're just like, stunted talking to the dead like I kind of hope Eve Palastri does to the air but she's so petulant these days I might have to roll back on my theory that she's gonna be talking to Kenny out loud she's too busy cursing everyone <laughs> she might, it may not happen but yeah so Carolyn listened to that song we can link it maybe through Apple Music if you guys are curious about the aria and stuff or you just google it I'm sure if you're curious although I did look myself to see is anyone talking about this opera and killing Eve and no one literally no one but one tweet was talking about it. And I thank you, random one person that was like, oh my God, I too had a mood like this some years ago because guys, I can relate heavily to that emo sadness. So after that scene happens, where are we? Uh, we leave the vehicle. It is, I want to say Geraldine. Wait, we can't forget the line. He's like, well, you can't just sit here. And she's basically like, oh, I, oh, I can. I can just sit here. Like I've been doing all day since mm -hmm. I left the office. Besides, I have my sandwiches. And I nearly fucking cried. Because I was like, your sandwiches that you make and eat with Kenny. Ah! Sorry, that was definitely giving her comfort in the time to eat a fucking sandwich. I was like, is this the same sandwich you make for Kenny? Is this the sandwich? And the way Fiona Shaw was holding that tear like a cradle in her eye. Right. It was just lost. I said, give there. her the Emmy because it's destroying me. This tear that she's holding on to. I am feeling it. I'm feeling the weight of Carolyn's, I don't want to say stunted emotions, but just like constrained they're like constrained but you know how like when something's bursting at the seams like someone mm -hmm. you're trying to hold it in so much yes. but you just feel like the minute something gets let out it gets it's fully it's just over, gonna be a torrent right. of emotion and maybe we're gonna see peaks of that when carolyn throws that thing whenever that happens when she throws the lamp or whatever it is on the floor and it looks like she just has no calmness left to give but yes after that scene we move on back to carolyn's home looking right. a hot mess Geraldine and drinking door, and it's eve and she's like well i don't think she's taking visitors uh Mom. <laughs> Eve is like, I'm always a visitor that will be taken by Carolyn. You don't know our relationship. You don't know what we get up to, Geraldine. Mind your business. And similarly, Carolyn's like, yeah, mind your business. Go do that thing where you close your eyes and breathe, girl. Just get you, out of here. You mean sleep. She's like, get out of here. Is that what I said? It's privacy. I need some privacy. Oh, Lord. And then she goes away. And her and Eve start to talk in. And Eve lets it be known that she has Kenny's phone. And she wants to find out who did this murder. But Carolyn... It looks every bit much as to say uh, I've I've used a lot of me today. I've, I've I've given today all I can. You know, like some the line she, she delivers is mess. right. The line she delivers is you know sometimes when someone dies that uh, it can invigorate someone. You know, but, fuel uh, you. She's like right. tragedy can fuel you like in a positive way, in a good way. This is not that. This, this is not, is right. not, not no, that. If you've noticed my canister here with my really expensive whiskey, it was full at the beginning of this day. And there's hardly any left Eve. And I could have alcohol poisoning right now. I may not make it through the night. And so, I, no, this isn't a good place for And me. I can't give Eve the credit to be like, she's completely dry and sober. But the juxtapose from Eve drunkenly stumbling out of the memorial service with the soberish Carolyn who was composed... And now for it to be flipped where Eve is like, all right, so I'm doing this, that, and the third. And Carolyn's on her. Listen, now I'm the one that's really, really hammered right now. So you're going to have to just give me a see, second. I kind of look at that a little bit differently because I see more as a moment of of transparency and honesty with Carolyn. That Carolyn has very much had things in hand. Carolyn couldn't even be bothered to get upset at Eve when she really fucking deserved it because she didn't want to be tired, which is what she told Eve. So I really feel like that she's letting Eve know that this version of me that you're experiencing, you've not. The version of me that was being so duplicitous and like in control is not here. That's mm. not what we're working with. I'm coming to you because I need your help. I'm coming to you because I must have you. Carolyn could have not had 
had Eve last season and still done shit. And we know this. She literally said, I have all kinds of plans working. What's happening right now requires Eve Pilastri specifically and primarily. And so in that sense, she's at Eve's mercy. And I yeah. feel like that was her giving an olive branch to be like, listen, uh, I'm not where I'm at previously. If you're worried about me trying to double cross you, bitch, I'm triple crossing myself because I am a hot fucking mess and I'm not in the best headspace to figure this out and do this right, which is why I need you, please. And so that's what I read into it. It could be almost entire projection or all projection. And I suppose I won't really know. So I get more vibes. But that was the vibe I got from Carolyn that she was earnestly reaching out because the way they had Fiona set up in that scene, she was the most haggard she ever looked. She was the most tired she ever looked. She was the most spent she ever looked. She had nothing left. She had no pretense. She was like, look at me, drinking and looking a mess. And you were in this same place earlier this morning. And I think Eve can recognize that shit and be like, mm -hmm. I do see it. I do see. It. There's a fuel that happens that is not positive fuel. And we are both in that place. We are both in the place of tragedy and things happening that we didn't want. And so, I don't know. So Carolyn definitely delivers this uh, movement in their conversation to be like, look, what do you need from me? Like, like, like what, like, what <laughs> and so this is when eve takes the opportunity to tip carolyn onto the uh flash uh or web stick the web drive oh my that, god but while she's can talking any about technical it, people send terrence hate mail for saying web stick i am disgusted uh, do people not use web sticks? no what a usb stick somebody help a me. goober tell her how me saying the encrypted usb stick that is what terrence is referring to that is in the police possession she needs carolyn and her connections to get it out of the police but probably constantine in his nosy ass is gonna try to get to the police first but he might expose himself he if he might. gets to the police or right. or they might give that role to villanelle they he might say might. hey you you are the most efficient killer because clearly we just got felixes and we're killing them Go to the popo, get that USB drive. That may and run into Eve on right, the way. That may can, uh, that may can explain that. Run bus. into Eve and root, and you guys are gonna fight. And maybe Eve gets it with the the flash drive. Like maybe she is like, ha ha, ha, ha bitch, I got it. And then when she hands it to the people, she's like, yo, break this down, figure out what's on here. And they're like, why is your face? Don't ask me questions. I don't want to talk about it. Right? I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I have the flash drive. Okay, let's de-encrypt. So after everyone's turning heads at this stupid magnet, like, damn, it's a bug. Damn it, Constantine's good. You well, did not say good. that right when he damn gave it. it to her. But yeah. And then instead of us getting a quick shot to Constantine, we get a shot to Villanelle entering her, I want to almost say Villa, entering her giant. Her palace. Right, her palace. And it's like, oh, I love food for you in the fridge. Love Dasha. It doesn't say love, but, you know, Dasha writes her a note and she sees it, she grins. And then she uh, takes her bag and she heads over to this, like, counter. And we get a shot of her bedroom and Constantine is laying in her bed in his outside clothes. And he just does this weird, like, rise. And then he, uh calls over to her what does he say like so nice to see you. he says something stupid like that and she takes a beat to register what it was what's happening she knows who it is she knows she doesn't know why but she knows who and she's like no and he's like yes and she's like no and he's like yes and then she picks up something heavy and blunt and he's like no she's like no items <laughs> she picks up several items right. and hurls it in his direction right i hope he has several bruises no you do not get permission to uh come in here unannounced or something that you don't get to like you don't get the right to, to just you don't walk. get to come here without an invitation anymore it's about right. consent and right. i don't think that villanelle was cool with the breaching of privacy and consent before but she understood it and she dealt with it because he was the handler but now she's entirely over that and it's not okay and i do like that similarly to eve they're making a very clear distinction with villanelle and her agency as well where she's like i'm not good with people just running me and lying to me and manipulating me no and it's not gonna be you because you literally got to do that for years and i'm over it I'm over and done. So if someone else is going to do it, it's not going to be you, Constantine. Right. And I like that. I like That is growth. That's what you call growth for Villanelle and Eve, respectively. And so he's like, well, I missed you. You look good. I feel like Villanelle in her head was like, bitch, I always look good. Like, anyway. Oh, could, I, <laughs> could I please? Wait, wait. Could I, I please come to see you? Please. She walks over. <laughs> She's like, take this. <laughs> take this. Like I said, I hope it was a nut shot. I so hope deeply I. and truly. After he's like, I miss you, you look good, whatever. She's like, oh, you haven't heard, bitch? Um, I'm moving up. Moving on up to the, there's, well, wherever the east is. side of Spain is what not, yeah, yeah. somewhere in Spain. Mm -hmm. With a deluxe uh, palace. 
that feels like it's in the sky. It That's does. what she's doing. And she's like, look, I'm moving up. All right. I'm going to be a keeper. Do you see this crib? Guess what this means? I'm going to be a keeper soon. And here goes Constantine with his laugh. <laughs> Who told you that? Dasha? 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 And Villanelle's like, okay, no need to be shady. Yeah, Dasha. Dasha. And he's like, you trust Dasha after what she did to you. And I'm like, what did she do? Please reveal that before the end of series three. You Killing Eve. Said- do not give us new <laughs> questions without answers, please. But you said you were going to kill her the next time you, uh, I was like, oh, so whatever it is, I guess it was serious. Yeah, that's after she's like, well, I trust that bitch more than you. And he's like, oh, because I thought you had it out for her. You wanted her to sleep at the fishies. And she's like, yeah, well, whatever. If I killed everybody who betrayed me, I'd have no one left. And I was like, I felt oh, so bad when home. she said that. But also, Eve. <laughs> also, bitch. Like, you could just learn to calm down. Well, now that you're back with the 12, you need to know. Oh, it doesn't matter. Oh, no. You need to know. This is important. Now, the way the sequence happens, he says, Eve is alive. She's like, well, he first says, you're in danger. Now, I like the way they set this up because it's literally a callback to Constantine a number of times where he is there spitting a half story to Villanelle. You're in danger. The 12 is up to this. You got to be careful. It's not safe for you. And he's always on some shit. Like when he was like, oh, be careful about Rome. You don't know what's going to happen there. He could have said then, hey, this is the plan for Carolyn and the 12 because I actually care about you enough to be honest. He did not. He was just afterwards like, oh, well, I told you it was going to be some fuck shit. And so this is this. When he comes in there, it's like, oh, so you started with the same old shit. You're not safe. The 12. <laughs> and so immediately then I was like, skirts, you be quiet. Nothing you have to say is relevant because I can never fucking trust you. And then his next line is like, well, you have to know something, Eve. Eve is alive. And I love Villanelle's immediate reaction, which is a smile like, bitch, no. It's not possible. <laughs> she says it. Not That's not possible. possible. And the way. Constantine trolls her after this the way he fucking does it expertly and the way only he can do after being her handler for years he's like oh because you are so good at killing people and going back to check that you actually uh, did it <clears throat> myself <clears throat> Nadia <clears throat> Eve <laughs> and she's like oh oh and then <laughs> she loses her sense of hearing everything sense of touch <laughs> sense of taste <laughs> equilibrium right if y'all if you've ever sense experienced vertigo right, yeah, right, right all of that all of that deleted from her repertoire of stuff and she is the literal math meme and Constantine he has been faded to the background <laughs> she's just like what <laughs> Epilastri is alive thought I, I to am- myself <sighs> <laughs> she's like what's this feeling and she's like is this love is this anger is it everything oh my god because in my mind I just imagine Villanelle reawaking I in my mind Villanelle in a slumber and she's trying to pretend like she's not in a slumber and that life still has a juice that it had before but it doesn't and the minute Constantine tells her that her entire shit is destabilized and then she's starting to realize like oh this this thing I, I feel things when I'm with you oh it's back it's back and this bitch ain't even with me yet I don't know what to do time to buy something and fuck with her because I'm angry I'm excited but I'm also angry but I'm also excited and horny but also angry that's how I and some good lines to close out this this episode he tries to reach out to her and she's like no 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 not you you don't touch me I'm fine and uh he wants to know Oh, she was like, well, how did you know I was back with the 12? And Constantine is like, oh, because I, I never left I never the 12. left. How dare you? And then he says, like, look, I care about you. And, uh, and she's like, oh, you're but you're full, full of shit. shit. You're full of shit. And he's like, but can I be both? And I was like, damn, that's the most Constantine line that ever has been in this show. Because that is the perfect way that I would describe Constantine as someone who cares about Villanelle, but also someone who is entirely and completely full of shit. At least he knows it. I'm At happy least he knows it. He knows, knows it. it. That's maturity, Constantine. He gets out of the scene and it's just her in this big old house with all these feelings. Of it. Is there enough room in this big house for Villanelle and her feelings right now? Who knows? Yes, of course. <laughs> she has big windows. She can just open them up oh, well, and the feelings true. go pouring out. Because it sounded like she was like, I don't want to say whimpering, but she was, she was emoting as we faded to black in this episode. Oh, hell yeah, she was emoting. I It's one of my favorite scenes for Villanelle because in the scene, she does what Jodie Comer does really well, which is oscillate between several emotions and feelings that you can sort of visibly feel are happening. And for Villanelle, it's like obvious shock, horror, trauma, reliving probably that moment in the ruins, the good parts and the bad parts, everything that creates this like weird cacophony of pain and excitement and glee and anger and she literally has a tear coming out of her eye 
at the same time that she has this wry sort of smirk. And that to me is just ridiculously, specifically brilliant work by Jodie Comer as she does it for Villanelle because that's what that is. She's got this like fucking psychotic, feral smile. At the same time, this bitch just made you cry right. and you only cry when Eve does it. And I might have a mental breakdown just thinking about it because God. I, I'm ready. I'm so ready for episode three, but I'm not ready. And by the way, guys, episode three is written by a new season four writer, Laura. And so this is something. If we like season three, it's time to put the clown makeup on now for season four because she will be the one steering the ship. So just want to throw that out there for you guys who were not aware that Laura, new showrunner for season four of Killing Eve, is responsible for episode three, where Eve and Philanel meet up for the first time in this series and have fisticuffs and potentially kiss. Like I said to you guys in the very first preseason snack, I'm going all out with the clown makeup. So I'm, <laughs> I'm there with y'all. All, all y'all clowns online saying, we're getting a kiss. We're getting a kiss. I'm there with you until we don't. Okay. I'm right there with you putting all the positive energy should, into yeah. the air because it's what we deserve. She's known for uh, sex education on Netflix. And we already who, know who? sex education on Netflix. Who's That's, known for that? Uh, the writer. Oh, okay, cool. So, she was she the showrunner for that or something? She yeah, she must have did the whole second season. I want to say, of Sex Education. I think it's on its third now. I can look that up. I Man, I know. But, I've only seen season one, but I enjoyed it. And I was about to say, and you know, they don't they it's don't. Shy like Jillian away. Anderson. I went over there for Jillian Anderson. Right, they don't shy away from. The I didn't game. go there for the teenagers, but I stayed for the stuff. Oh, she wrote for season one. Nice. Oh, well, good for her. That's the one I seen. But yeah, this episode, all in all, was better for me in terms of pacing, in terms of editing. It wasn't as frenetic where you're like, why is this happening in this rapid order of stuff? Or why are we cutting so frequently back from here, there, and everywhere before, you know, instead of just sitting in the situation for a second? So I like that we did more of that. Uh, the editing seemed more seamless. The show definitely is a better watch through regardless, without ads. If you guys can do without commercials, save yourselves because it is always a better and smoother watch without the ads. I wish AMC could figure out another way to do it because my God. Agreed. But I just, everyone was in a bag. Everyone was in a bag this episode. Sandra Oh was brilliant. I mean, serving brilliant mess. I don't know what else to say except <laughs> brilliant fucking mess. Fiona Shaw with the nuanced pain and reserved grief. Like she is killing it and I can't wait to see where she goes. And Villanelle still being her kooky, clownish, in denial, amazing self. I'm really disappointed in her for killing Felix. I'll just, I'll chalk it up to her misandry since he was queer. And I was like, well, Villanelle, you couldn't have, you could have had a little sidekick. Like he could have probably I mean, defected with you and helped you with the 12, but no. So I just, but that's me taking in the stray gays. So that's just probably me projecting onto Villanelle. Like, take a man, Villanelle. <laughs> Make a secret queer murder club. You guys would be the best. But yeah. So that was the end of the episode, you guys. Brilliant performances by everybody involved, which fantastic. And then we get the preview, which I guess we'll play that really quickly before we close this out. Okay, so we have this first. Oh, actually we have, what do we have here? You know what? I'll leave those peeks into like to play them actually for the snack but we do have two sneak peeks it looks like one with Villanelle having a, a conversation with a lady who seems a little bit rude about pianos with the tuning fork and I know some people were thinking it was Maria it does not look to be Maria and what was the other one? Oh, Villanelle shopping for the teddy bears, oh, the teddy bears. and leaving messages I should have you know you I'll play that because I have no sense of self-control and I need to but let us play the promo first for episode three meetings have biscuits <laughs> meetings have biscuits all yes, right that is the title all right here we go wow I have all my best thoughts in the bath <gasps> we all need intimacy in our lives don't you want to know why I'm in your bed Villanelle whose bed are you in it. Bloody nose Eve. <laughs> Who doesn't answer their phone on a stakeout? Oh my god, who do you think stepping out of the car with those beautiful yellow pants? And why does Villanelle have that giddy fucking smile on her face? I'll tell you why. Because Eve is back in her life. <laughs> Eve is back in her life. Do you guys not see that she literally has the same fucking smile? The same fucking smile from when Eve was leaving her voicemails. Philanelle, just want to check to make sure you're okay. Philanelle, just calling again, like, not freaking out or anything. Just want to, hey, just make sure everything's going well with Aaron. <laughs> and Villanelle was it like, butterflies, butterflies in my chest. You have destroyed my petticoats. Eve Palastri, once again. So anything of note you want to highlight for that preview or... Shall I just dive into my endless musings? I 
feel like I can't ever muse enough at the review stage or really just in general. But I lit up when I heard Villanelle ask that question about being in in the bed. And I'm like, Yeah, but your Palastri fucking theory ass said, (laughs) Eve's bed. And I said, No, the pillowcases aren't even the same. And you really think Eve is out here doing laundry? You really think she's out here changing her pillowcases? From episode to episode, Terrence? No. In somebody else's bed. In somebody else's bed. In Sasha's bed. Okay? It could be Constantine's bed for all we know. It could be Carolyn's bed. Just know that it's anyone but Eve's bed. So I'm sorry. I let you put on clown makeup for a lot of stuff, Palastri, but not this. <laughs> not this. <laughs> I know that's not Eve's bed, so I'm not going to get my hopes up. If there was even a hint of her being in Eve's bed, don't you think one of these reviewers would have let us a piece of something? A little something? Besides, if they have that quick, violent, explosive thing, there's literally no time for Villanelle to have her hair down in Eve's bed to ask questions. Because how is, how is Eve letting her talk right now? There's no conversations to be had when your fingers are around someone's throat. And you're like, this is halfway murder, halfway autoerotic fixation. That's where Eve is. So I don't expect her to be able to listen to anything Villanelle has to say for their first meeting. So while it would tickle me for that to be Eve's bed, I'm saying it's literally anyone but Eve's bed. But please make your prediction if you just want to. <laughs> I just want you. You know what? Just say it. Say it for the listeners. Just say whose bed that is, who you think it is. Just do it. I think it's, (laughs) I can't tell you, I think it's, if I had to pick an outrageous answer that wasn't Eve Palastri. That's you in your life. Oh, that wasn't Eve Palastri. Okay. It might be. (laughs) Wait, you better say it. If you say red, I'm going to knock you out. Okay. So who is it? Who is it? I was going to say Nico Palastri. Eat. <laughs> a rotted dog turd. And I don't know where that insult came from, but it's the first thing that came to mind. A rotted dog turd. How dare you? Why would you? I do mean, this if to anybody me? was to confirm that Eve was alive, it'd be Nico, right? Uh Nico's in an institution. He doesn't have his own pillowcases yet. We will know that Nico's out of the institution when he gets released and he's taking selfies on the dusty road, like look at me. Oh, free. Yeah, that doesn't happen yet. Oh my right. God. You were trying to destroy me. Nico's bed. I can't believe this. Disgusting. Who who doesn't answer the phone at a stakeout? A lot of people. A lot of people don't answer the phone at a stakeout. A lot of fucking people. So that's the one thing that sticks out for you, which is, well, it actually, you know, it sticks out for everyone, to be fair. Whose bed is she in making jokes like this? But we know that she's back on to her 160% clownery, 160% clownery, which Dasha confirms in another promo, which I'm about to play. But it looks like we're inching up close to the manic panic. Geraldine is giving more unsolicited advice to her mom about feeling. And I'm sure Carolyn is like, could you just go? Right. Like, take all of your stuff and go. Like, everything. <laughs> Eve, of course, limps. Well, I won't say she limps, but she walks tepidly into the office looking like she just obviously had a fight because she hasn't even bothered to wipe the blood from her nose. So clearly everyone at Bitter Pill is just like, every day this bitch come by the office, it is some new shit. New shit. She's not drunk. She's banged up. (laughs) (laughs) Or she's banging somebody up. What is up with this woman? Right. All right. Let us play this promo that was sent to us, thankfully, by a lovely listener. And I'm so glad that you guys are all heeding my call for stuff. When I request stuff, when I'm like, send me all the links. You guys are doing it and I appreciate it. So this was sent by Michelle. Thank you. And she sent us the Australian promo, which guys, what is up with America getting the worst promos in the world? Because right. every time someone sends me another country promo, I'm like, so they just they don't want so us to have the gay. Better. They don't want us to have the they gay. Get better that music. They just they want get to better troll clips. us the entire time. Cool. All right. Okay, so let's play the Australian promo real quick. You've been unfocused and manic for days. Mm. I'm not ready. I'm not ready for London. It's me. Who's me? They're called the 12. Once I tell you about them, <laughs> your lives are in danger. You They're really should have some kind of protection. You know that, right? You really like that baby, huh? <laughs> it's not even yours. Oh my Somebody God, Villanelle, you're going to kill a woman and her baby. I can't. I see it. Ooh, that polka dotted shirt is real nice. I like that. They're on a stakeout. Who doesn't answer their phone on a stakeout? Okay, all right. And this is what I mean about the fucking other promos from other countries because we get so much in this promo. We get Dasha. We get Constantine. We got the same people from the last promo. The thing is, they say different things. Like Dasha says, you've been manic for days now. So that is implying yet another slight time jump from when Constantine is like, oh my God, hey, Eva's alive, to Villanelle doing whatever the fuck she's doing. And Dasha's like, listen, bitch, um, <laughs> listen, ho, I don't know who you're trying to fool, but you have not 
been on your game for the past three days? And what's different? What is different in the past three days than um, the days before then when you were like, I want to be a keeper. And now you can't even focus long enough to complete a single kill because right. what? You ready for London? And so who knows? I do think Dasha is putting her on a job because clearly Villanelle's not doing what Dasha would want her to do, but she wants to go to London for a job. And maybe Dasha's playing like she doesn't know about Eve, but does know about Eve because we don't know who she was alluding to in the last thing. And she's like, oh, so let me get this straight. You manic and shit? You fucking up. But you ready for London? You're ready for London where your ex is? I don't think so, bitch. And Villanelle's probably like, oh, just give it. I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know if Constantine told you about all the times I stole the postcards he told me not to take and I just took it and did it anyway and killed anyway. That's what's going to happen. And so that's the first thing that interested me is Dasha commenting on her manic panic, her gay manic panic about Eve Palastri and being like, I'm ready. Also of note, Dasha in more cat prints. It looks like more animal prints on Dasha, more gold chains. She's usually tripling, quadrupling up, which I love. Dasha, I'm feeling this Florida fashion, ma'am. And then we see Constantine. He is at like a intercom looking to be buzzed in. And I'm like, what is that about? Whose place are you at? Because it's obviously a place of note. You are doing an errand for the 12. And that's why they're showing us this because you were on your fuck shit, Constantine. Of course, we get the scene from Eve at the Bitter Pill where she's like, listen, if I tell you who this is, your life's in danger. So don't tell us. It's a 12. (laughs) And I think she did that because she don't like Jamie. She don't like Paul. And she shouldn't. He's annoying. They're called the 12. Jamie. I told you, Jamie, about the 12, in case someone's listening, Jamie. Right. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, Jamie the 12, Jamie and the 12. Jamie wants to know everything about the 12. 12, Jamie, 12. Okay. You should, you should start Googling it on your personal like, computer right, right now. now. Like phone <laughs> to get those hits in. Please do. Oh, my gosh. And then we get a scene with Carolyn looking sullen and alone at a bar in red. <sighs> Poor Carolyn. She's drinking. And we get a quick shot of Jamie, Danny's Pawnee, and he's looking through that same looking glass window of an office fishbowl thing. That's at the Bitter Pill for a second. We have Carolyn's assistant catching up to Eve on the street being like, hey, um, you know, you should probably get protection, right? Interesting. And Eve is like, no, sir. I don't need any protection. Jafari, except for myself. I, right, I get it. You're new. You, you, you care, I guess, but... You should, I don't know. She's like, read my file, read my dossier. (laughs) I don't listen to logic, sir. I don't need protection. (laughs) No. Why don't you go protect uh, the one that's suing you guys? What's his name? I don't know. She don't know about Hugo. She don't care. She don't don't care. Literally, Kenny had to inform her that he wasn't even working there anymore. You think she knows what HR is doing? Oh, yeah. She don't know. She don't. And she doesn't care. And then, so, a different clip from what we see in the American version of Villanelle in her child's play, jumper suit and hair tie. And she is holding the tuning fork on a baby. And the baby is being held by a nurse or someone nursing, maybe a nanny. And I know you said there was some stuff in the reviews or things, people hinting at Villanelle, taking out a baby with Dasha or whatever. And well, I, I, I infanticide isn't something I'm looking <laughs> forward to, I, I have to tell you. But if the 12 is out here trying to take out somebody's heir that isn't even old enough to walk, wow. I just hope that at the end of the season, Villanelle gets at least half those names so her and Eve can take them out because right. that is uncalled for. I agree. And of course, Villanelle has some ridiculous comment about liking babies, <laughs> which she can't possibly understand. Oh, Never mind. So you remember when I was like, who's in the gold pants? The gold couture. It's Villanelle. I, it's her. And it's <laughs> in the, the top is the polka dot shirt. So I should have known that she was in that beautiful couture. It is her. We see not just the pants shot as we get in America. And I'm like, why are you guys not showing us the polka dotted shirt in America? But the Australians get to see the lovely outfit. You guys are fucking rude. And so she's walking and we see her stop in a window and she's looking at perfume. And I'm like, oh, bitch, are you up to your old tricks? Who are you? I know that's not for Maria. I know it's not for Maria. So who is the perfume for? And what does it say? What is it like? Death by Calvin Klein? Like, what? I just feel like Villanelle would do that type of shit where she would send a gift, but it would be like, like that. Like whatever mm-hmm. she's doing with the teddy bear. She's like, I'm going to send you this beautiful perfume, but the name of it is going to make you think twice about what my intentions are here. So I don't know about you, but I think Villanelle got all dressed up to shop for Eve. And I just... It wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time. And I'm just going to say, you guys know that I have been sharing my not exact happiness with some of these outfits that got Villanelle in. I like some. I like less others. But this polka dot and gold. 
is my new favorite outside of the wedding suit. It is up there. It is in the tops. I'm digging it. The polka dots and the contrast of the gold. It's amazing. It's the best look so far this season. Only because, and I might inch it above the suit in the wedding just because it is so strikingly contrasting, which I enjoy with the color and then the black and white. And it's very classic. Like she looks like she could have stepped out of a 1962 film of Technicolor co-starring Liz Taylor. So this is good because then she's competing with all the other episode three looks. So oh. you have the the blazer that Bill, you know, took his that's dive right. in, and that is the leading suit for Jody and me. I, that's one of my that's favorite right. looks for Jody, and so polka dots and gold. I I can't wait. I love it. I can't wait for it. And then we have a quick clip that has Villanelle recording the message. I can't stop thinking about you. Now, I'm more calm. I'm definitely more calm. But for those of you online that were there when the clip appeared from some lovely fan online who recorded a radio ad of Killing Eve, and in there was the audio of Villanelle saying, I can't stop thinking about you. And it was at that moment that the fandom relit on fire and i think our fandom is such a hot mess because we literally oscillate from day to day from one extreme insanity to the next like we are never getting a villain eve kiss ever why suzanne two this is everything we've ever wanted we're not only getting a kiss we're getting a smash we're getting everything and so here's here's where we are and it's fine we all acknowledge that we are here and it's fine we're here we're living here it's fine you guys you guys <laughs> That's why I said the episode's going to be over with me screaming. Really, Villanelle? Like, you, I don't want to play the clip because we got to leave something for the snack. And this, this record's already long enough. I'm just going to say, if you haven't seen it, go to AMC. Watch it on repeat so that you are prepared for my continued screaming and Terrence's continued screaming when we come back in a week. Because, holy fucking shit, Villanelle's out here testing things she wants to send in the teddy bear to Eve. I should have shot you in the head. <laughs> I should have. I should have killed you this way. I can't stop thinking about you. Like, wow. Wow. Do you think that recording makes it to Eve? Do oh, you think it's... that makes it there? Or is it something that she records and erases like the other ones? What potentially? keeps happening to us is we see the teddy bear and the message. But the message that Admit was playing Eve. is Admit ad right. Eve. Admitted Eve. You wish I was here. Now, if that whole thing is clownery and what is really said... <laughs> Is that keeps, I guess I'm thinking about you. Or it's multiple messages, like depending on when you oh, squeeze right, it. Oh, right, 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 right. Is that something different? Well, Villanelle be having multiple feelings. Right, So, right. And I think she wants to send something angry and longing because those are the two sides of the coin, like angry frustration, but also deep, deep yearning on both women's sides. So she, how can she not yearn? How can she not yearn, Terrence? I say to you, how do you expose yourself? How do you expose yourself in a room when it's like this bitch did? Eve, Eve. I love you, Eve. I do, Eve. You're mine, and you can't. You can't be like, oh, Eve is alive. Oh, okay. All right. Well, is she is she doing well? Is she doing good? Did she recover? That's nice. Have you seen I'm this good. nonsense? I mean, it's true. Oh yes, I know. So, Lesbian Vis Visibility Day. The deepest of fans, the most ridiculous of fans online, they know that episode three is falling on Lesbian Visibility Day, which coincidentally enough was the original date really for the first episode. And so people were saying then that people moved it because it was Lesbian Visibility and it was just <laughs> like how people be clowning on Killing Eve. But then with the new information that came out about episode three, they're like, actually, reverse the conspiracy. And this is exactly why they haven't released on this day so who knows if we're that's right, why i but. had to change my pen tweet which was analyst to handling quarantine standing on top of her roof telling everybody to fuck off now my pen tweet is me uh saying uh maybe episode three fits more for the theme of the day with a bunch of clown uh, oh yeah for reactions sure. so it's like hmm Oh, yes. To finish out this Aussie promo, after we get Villanelle looking great, we had a quick scene in there of Constantine talking to somebody at a desk, potentially someone who's running his life like a boss. And hopefully we meet that person to see if they interconnect with anyone we already know in MI6. We have a scene of Eve on the bus! On the bus! And she does not have a bloody nose. So this is pre-fight, you guys. This is pre-fucking fight. She's looking out the window. She's looking distressed. She's looking like she's thinking about stuff. And my God. Okay, can I just pause? freeze and I need to go back in myself before I, 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 I see I'm stuttering and I it's several thoughts coming at once okay so you know the picture of Villanelle in the gray suit and she's standing on the street what if that's the outfit she's wearing when she gets hails the bus to get on the bus and Eve already sitting on the bus in the back as she gets on the bus looking fantastic like she does in a suit which would just enrage mm -hmm. Eve even more like bitch mm -hmm. you had the nerve to look good hell 
hell no. And she charges from the back of the bus yes. to tackle a bitch in the front of the bus. I mean, I still want that tackle to happen. I just do. I want Villanelle entering the bus. I think in my visions, all of my visions. She has to though. Oh, my visions is Eve being so Eve on the bus and Villanelle can see her. That's Eve looking like she in the back of the bus and there's no You're one right. in her immediate shot. Right. So it looks like she's there going to work or going to the bitter pill because Eve doesn't have a car. Eve doesn't have a bike. Eve doesn't take cabs or Ubers. She is a simple woman living a simple life right now. She's on a bus. So Villanelle has to know, right? Like she has to know, right? Because why is Villanelle taking the bus unless by some weird happenstance, someone sends her on the bus just to fuck with her and see what happens when she runs into Eve. Because that's another option that they want to see how she's going to react. Dasha wants to know. The 12 wants to know what she's going to do. That could be clownery, but could also be an option. And then, oh, by the way, guys, we also see episode three is going to be lit. I'm glad I didn't open the champagne to save up episode three because Carolyn is in her Jackson Pollock jacket with all the straps and things. Looks like roots or whatever. And we know. Woo! Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm trying to keep it under control it is like 6 a.m let me get myself together um we know that carolyn gets into a car accident because of all the assembled clips and things in that jacket just like we know carolyn is held hostage at some point by gunpoint by oh by villanelle so i'm saying it's looking like now do you see why it keeps spontaneously screaming i'm saying to you, it's looking like the scenario I actually set up for you is happening that for some reason this is all colliding in episode three eve going to the bitter pill trying to get the drive carolyn trying to get the drive potentially with eve villanelle being sent to london for a job by dasha but also knowing eve is in london so she has to multitask like she always does so all of this is happening in episode three terrence now I, i'll leave it for the snack i'm just gonna say something for people to marinate on you can send in your thoughts and opinions so we can talk about it on the snack but what do you guys think is the order of events my current guess is for what is known eve going on a bus to the bitter pill. Villanelle waiting for said bus for whatever reason. Villanelle gets on bus. She sees Eve. They fight. They separate. Eve continues to the bitter pill because I think Villanelle just maybe like tucks and rolls out the back of the bus doors because she's over it and she needs to escape and do her job. And then Carolyn is doing something and maybe Carolyn is actually the mission for Villanelle because of what Dasha says about being ready for London. And because we know Villanelle has the bruise on her eye when she steals the cop stuff to get Carolyn that it has to be after her confrontation with Eve. And I just, please, 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 God. Susan! Carolyn was in Russia, all right? And I just, I really just need for you, since you said that you were watching seasons one and two and you were studying to write your scripts, I just need for you to have asked yourself, what did Carolyn say to Villanelle? Right. In Russia? And you tried to fill that in with you and your writing team. That's all. I just, that's all. And Laura, if, if you had any input at all. Um, Laura wrote the episode. If you had, right. If you Suzanne had, would have been like, here's the guideline. Laura, right. this is your voice. So, <laughs> so if you watched to the end of series two, then you would have noticed that there was bug sex that was on the recording that was confiscated. Oh my God, that's what and, you want. That's what listen, you want. I'm just saying. Villanelle, tell me, when you were in Rome with Eve, did you have fun in the hotel on my dime? <laughs> because it sounded like you had a lot of fun. It sounded like you and Eve. <laughs> I was about to say went to Italy. That's a Gentleman Jack reference. But, oh my God. And then, of course, this final scene of Eve yelling. Who just wear a bug during a stakeout? Please don't let that be the line. It might be. Interesting. So, I forgot to mention, I was just listening to the sound bite again. And so, Constantine is seeing someone who we imagine is someone who's above him, who is a boss. And they're talking about someone siphoning from the accounts. So, someone is embezzling within their crime syndicate, which is fantastic. And I wonder if this has a connection to what Kenny said about money moving. I would imagine, but that would mean then it just doesn't implicate the 12. It implicates something else going on within the 12. Some inner fucking or perhaps some other agency trying to fuck them over. And I like it. I like it. And this is even more of a reason why Constantine has to get murdered. He's, he's got his hands in too many pots. He too does. many pots. Loyalty is a thing, Constantine. Jesus. And just because I'm not a total demon, let's play that clip of I can't stop thinking about you from Villanelle one more time. Some of these men are siphoning from the account. Do you know who? I can't stop thinking about you. So people who were confused about that, I love all the fans online who were like, that's her Eve voice. Before we had visuals to confirm that she was definitely talking about Eve in some way, every fucking fan was like, no, 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 that she's definitely talking about Eve because that's her Eve voice. Do you remember the bug sex? Do you remember Rome? Do you remember Rome? Anyways, and the last scene, well, second to last scene is Carolyn in her car, presumably before Villanelle causes this issue. And she's with her assistant and they're chewing something. And it looks like they're eating chocolates and trying to just like 
relax for a moment before Villanelle fucks up their day. And the last shot is of Eve with her jacket off, freaking out. And that's where she's saying the line about the stakeout. Who turns her phone off at a stakeout? So it's interesting. Who knows what the fuck is going on here? But I assume Eve and Carolyn and boys from the Bitter Pill are trying to plan something. And Villanelle, courtesy of the 12, and also her own issues because of her loins, fucks everything up. I'm going to see what I can put together for the for the snack because this was this was a lot. I want to know if the person whose uh, phone is off on the stakeout ends up being dead. Like, I have lots of... It's Bear. No. <laughs> Bear seems no. like he's the easiest oh. one to go down. He right. looks like he's the easiest Why to go down. Why is he staking out anywhere? He needs to be on by the comms. Right? Like, <laughs> I, you know, people should know their lane, their strengths. Sh- and uh, Eve should have been on a stakeout. But, you know, she's trying to pretend like it's not about her. And she's <sighs> want to be involved. So she's not there yet to be on a stakeout physically. Jahari, I hope it's not. They get kidnapped. <laughs> but and he gets killed right. by Villanelle. I think he goes uh, down. Either he gets yeah. killed by the car crash or he's knocked out and left there while Villanelle takes Carolyn by gunpoint and she either does something that the 12 wants but I really hope to and I guess I'll, I'll wait more on the snack to muse but I just want Carolyn to ask her straight up are you responsible for killing my son and for Villanelle to know like oh this is a thing this is a thing your son is dead and you think I did it which means Eve must think I did it no because she wouldn't want that and she might have to clear it up or something I don't fucking know but anyway guys that is the end of this recap I I'm going to save all my other favorite things for the snack because there'll be plenty to say. And I screamed a lot. And, you know, I feel like I'm going to watch this episode again before I, I go to sleep, <laughs> despite the fact that the sun, once again, the sun is, is high up, yep. in the sky. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is just going to be the thing now on Sundays, especially because we're going live and that delays when we record. And wow. I didn't even oh, need my strawberry right. shortcake. I'm at the I, box. I, <laughs> well. I'm like, how do I open this box? But anyways, I want to end out this recording with my delirium and say that I I feel good. I feel positive and optimistic as fuck. I don't want to say that I am abandoning Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I would never abandon Phoebe Waller-Bridge in our season one content. I just want to say that if I just, if I can just get a little piece of any of what I've mused about for episode three, I'm good on Suzanne for the rest of the year. Like, I don't know what, like she would really have to fuck up in the last half for me to be mad at her is what I'm saying. If she can touch the hem of my hopes and dreams for episode three, we are good. She is good. And I'm looking forward to Laura because Laura's also a part of episode three. And I said, you bitches are good. And you have my trust and my loyalty and my fealty, women. So just don't, I feel like, what is that on drag, RuPaul's Drag Race? Don't fuck it up. Right, so just right. like, don't just do, and you can't technically fuck it up because you already did it, did it. But just, it's what I need. It's what I need. A reminder, guys, that you can reach out to us at hey you guys all one word at wellwellvillanelle.com. Our Insta is wellwellvillanelle, and our Twitter, if you are about it, about it, is wellvillanelle. Uh, is this going to be your shtick? Yeah. If you are about it, about it. <laughs> I mean, it, it. you're about it, about it. <laughs> As well, Villanelle. <laughs> uh, as you know, we were recording out in New York City where an average of like 700 people seem to keep dying every single day due to complications related to COVID-19 because of how bad it is here. But um, actually, on that note, I just want to do a little shout out too because I see weird things in the news sometimes specifically related to our state and people out there who really think we are and by we I mean New York are inflating numbers or like drama or stress or anxiety of what's happening here and I just want to say first of all from the bottom of my heart to anyone who thinks that fuck you sincerely number one and number two no no one's making anything up. We promise you that. We don't talk about it because we try to keep it light here. And this is actually a form of escapism for us to be able to spend hours musing about one of our favorite shows and our favorite murder wives and all this. But it's a very real thing. We have family members and friends who are yes. in the healthcare industry. So they are actually on the front line in addition to other people we know who are essential workers and dealing with stuff. We have family and friends who have lost people already. Yes. Just as the same as we've had people make it through. My little brother is one of those people who was diagnosed with COVID early on in New York's drama and he just now just now you guys has made it out to a place of smiling again and being healthy again and I actually saw him for the first time today as he was bringing me some Clorox wipes from my mama because he actually can move and do stuff and so it is it's been fucked up and wild and it's a weird place of like being grateful but also like 
survivor's guilt because on the one hand, you're like, this person of mine made it. This other person of mine didn't. And there was, right. I believe I sent a tweet on one day where I had some funky shit happening on the timeline where literally one post under the other was one of my friends who was just having a complete mental breakdown, essentially, because their mother just passed away. And there was circumstances and things that are just fucked up attached to COVID. And then I had another friend whose mother had just made it through. And so, like, you're in this thing of, like, what do I do? There's my own personal drama. There's my friend's drama. And then there's there's happiness that this hasn't happened. But then there's sadness that this thing happened. And it's fucked. I just want to say, we're not inflating shit. One of my friends is a mortician. And she has had several posts talking about the number of bodies she has to pick up. And she's never seen anything like this in her life. And literally no one in New York City has seen anything like this. 9-11 did not give us this many deceased people by far. So I just want to say to anyone thinking that, please stop. Like if it looks, if it looks like it's wild, it's because it is. It is. If you see tweets about refrigeration trucks outside the hospitals, it's because they are. If you see tweets about people saying, I hear ambulance all the time, it's because that's real life. It is. And so please let's show some respect and appreciation for the people who are actually out here risking their lives. Just like when Trump tried to say some fuck shit about the doctor stealing stuff, like, please, my cousin is a doctor on the front lines in one of the biggest hospitals in New York City. And I promise you, doctors are stealing nothing except 30 seconds of sleep if they can on their shifts that never end. Anyways, sorry, that was a vent because you brought no, it no, up. It's and it was in the news though. again yesterday. And I'm just like, yo, who is running these stories? People who aren't in New York City, people who don't see what the fuck is going on. So anyways, sorry, but we hope everyone is continuing if they can to stay safe the way they can. And if you're forced to go outside amongst the world, hopefully you have some PPE and you're being careful. And if you don't like a tissue or like, but this is the CDC saying anything, cover anything, your face cover with your, anything. Right. In just New York, do it. You cannot be outside without a covering. You yeah. really can't. I mean, you can, but you shouldn't. You really is what shouldn't. it is. Uh, so just sorry, sorry. Back to <laughs> sorry. Back to Terrence's announcements. That was my vent. I know I usually keep it positive, guys, but that is just a thing that has actually been in our minds um, because it's super annoying being New Yorkers. I just wanted to quickly shout out Hungary, Taiwan, Finland, Singapore, oh, Hong Kong. My, we got to come up with a cooler way to do Norway, this. Norway, Mexico. <laughs> I know we should. Russia, Brazil, France, Canada, Britain, and South America. Thank you all for pew, 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 um, your continuous support amidst this uh, global pandemic. Uh, we hope that you yeah, all are Yeah, I hope y'all are safe. staying safe in your respective places. Hopefully you are not one of those dicks who are protesting to go outside because no no off air <laughs> i gotta show you this video because it it was oh no it was something i'm scared right. i hope it's not like that incel video you showed me that one time is it gonna make me rage um i don't uh, i don't know it's all women so maybe not but okay. then again oh maybe. see right, oh, see, right. we right. on the rage side i know you too right. well to know you're maybe. gonna send me to the rage that's fine that's fine um, let's just finish these go, damn announcements right. <laughs> um if you can support our patreon um in our show notes um and cop some merch uh helps the transition from uh public to private transportation as that's as these are the times that we are in. All right, guys, until our next snack episode, here's hoping you get killed by a woman. And never forget that next week we are getting Villanelle saying that she can't stop thinking about Eve. Go! Oh I'm fucking fair. I'm losing it. Someone help me, please. I'm going to fucking die. I fucking love this show. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs> it's like totally murder. <laughs>